John chapter 10, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 16, the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. When you have it, would you say amen? Amen. 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 I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And it reads, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he, what he meant. So he explained it to them, saying, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep, the true sheep, did not listen to them. The true sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they do not belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And 16, I have other sheep too that are not a part of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The word of the Lord, you may be seated in the presence of God. Oh Lord, come by here. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Keep me behind thee so that your voice is the only one that your people hear. Place me in the rear, Lord so that you are all I see. I am yours. Direct my speech, guide my tongue and my thoughts. To God be the glory. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. I was leaving the South to fling myself into the unknown. I was taking part of the South to transplant it into unknown soil to see if it could grow differently, to see if it could drink of new and cool rains, bend in strange winds, respond to the warmth of other suns, and perhaps to bloom. Richard Wright, Richard Wright. Grace and peace to you this blessed Sunday. Happy first Sunday in African American History Month. It is an honor to dwell with you and come alongside you this day. I want to thank our pastor, the shepherd of this house, for another opportunity. We welcome her back. We've been praying. Um, thank you for another opportunity um, to stand with you. I do not take it for granted. So I would like to speak from the subject today, the good shepherd and true sheep. The good shepherd and true sheep. And I'm gonna teach a little bit today if that's all right. Is that all right? Okay. Particularly for those who are new to the faith or for those who are returning after being away from some time, we welcome you home, we welcome you back. Whether in person or online, welcome back family. So I must credit my brother for my reawakening and my re-embrace of poetry. Uh, my brother often quotes poems or will text short poems um, to me and God has gifted him not only with an ability to write, uh, but, but a capacity to seamlessly integrate poetic line into everyday life in a meaningful and enriching way, a way that's relevant to my own walk. And so his steady influence over time has led me to return to poetry and to discover it anew. Um, you know, uh, this art form is, is something that I tread upon daily, and so I'm grateful um, for his reminder about poetry. Birds of a feather flock together, amen. And so this embrace of poetry, or this re-embrace, I should say, has greatly enriched my own spiritual life. Um, while in seminary, I took a course in biblical poetry, and that also shed a different light on it for me. And so I'm so grateful when I think about um, the biblical poetry and the way poetry moves and breathes. Um, I'm grateful for its presence in my life. So when I thought, how shall I begin this sermon? I was like, why not begin it with a poem? <laughs> And so the poem I just read for your hearing is by Richard Wright, an African-American recognized as one of the preeminent novelists and essayists of the 20th century. His writing influenced other writers, young writers such as James Baldwin, and this poem pays homage to the African-Americans who fled the South, fled domestic terror by the millions in pursuit of better economic, educational, and other opportunities as well as their safety. And so the poem is about the Great Migration, and Isabel Wilkerson, a Pulitzer Prize winner, cites the poem in her book, The Warmth of Other Sons. 
And so the poem recalls our enslaved ancestors who embarked on a dangerous journey by following the North Star due north, true north, in pursuit of freedom. So with no compass app, you know, no, no, no road atlas, uh, no Google Maps <laughs> or anything like that, they looked up to God and were led by the light of the North Star. And their weary feet were guided true north along freedom's path, stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening ride. The North Star was named um, Frederick Douglass named his very first uh, newspaper, his very first periodical, The North Star. An anti-slavery publication which was first published in December of 1847. So like Douglass, Ida B. Wells and other African-American spiritual exemplars of both the written and the spoken word, uh, we too can follow our divine call, True North and speak the light of truth, as Ida B. Wells termed it. So our ancestors, many of who knew God as the God of justice, the God of the oppressed, found hope in a narrative of a people led to freedom by God, their great shepherd. They looked to God while they followed the light of the North Star. And so turning now to the lyric poetry of the Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, we know that it begins, the Lord is my shepherd, yes. And as the psalmist indicates, our God leads us along straight paths, allows us to rest, bless the children, beside still waters, comforts us, protects us and our children in the valley, remains with us in the shadow of death, restores our souls gives us the gifts of goodness and mercy, which follow us all the days of our lives. Amen. The Old Testament metaphor of God as shepherd is striking to me and may be filled with deep meaning, but especially for a suffering and oppressed or displaced people. Psalm 77 reads, your path led through the sea and your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Aaron and Moses, the Exodus narrative. So recall the God in the Old Testament also uses the phrase, I am, to describe and name God's self. So in Exodus 13, 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The Exodus narrative, one of liberation where God leads God's people out of captivity has deep meaning for the African-American community. Indeed, it was by fire, a burning bush, that God commissioned Moses for freedom's task in the Midian desert. God said, I am who I am. Harriet Tubman received the nickname Moses for her daring and dangerous liberation work. God said to Harriet, tell them, I am has sent me to you. Ida B. Wells began a daring education campaign about lynching in America, about lynching in America and printed bold writings from her print shop in Memphis, which earned her a bounty on her head. 
God said to Wells, tell them, I am has sent me to you. Prathia Hall, a young civil rights activist, a field organizer in Georgia, who grew to be a powerful preacher and a scholar, stood on the scorched earth in rural Georgia, where a church had been burned to the ground, and lifted up a prayerful cadence, I have a dream, I have a dream, I have a dream. And this prayer motif ended up in the speech of the great Dr. Martin Luther King in the March on Washington. God said to Prathia, tell God, tell the people, I am has sent me to you. Turning to our text in John chapter 10, Jesus constructs a didactic bridge, I am, to teach about himself and affirms who he is by employing the very same Old Testament metaphor, God as shepherd. So chapter 10 is but one example where Jesus walks across this I am didactic bridge to teach about himself. And noticeably, Jesus uses metaphors as his teaching tool of choice. So a metaphor is something regarded as representative or symbolic of another thing, okay? So in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, yes. And so these metaphors help us understand who Jesus is by offering an image or a meaning that we can associate with Jesus that we can associate with an attribute or a characteristic of Jesus, but also that we can associate with his missional purpose on earth. And so Jesus echoing God, our heavenly father, also uses I am statements plus a metaphor. So two parts, I am plus the metaphor. And so John captures these statements in his gospel, pinning the metaphors as Jesus speaks them. So John captures, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. These metaphors reveal windows, sight lines, to help us see who Jesus is and why God sent his son to save the world. They also reveal his mission his purpose, and yes, his lordship, his lordship. So let's take a step further and move beyond the I am statements and land on our two metaphors that we're gonna to explore today. I am the good shepherd and I am the gate, okay? But actually right before we get there, a quick note on the teaching of Jesus, on the pedagogy, the teaching of Jesus. Here it is. Notice in chapter 10, Verse one, notice how Jesus begins. He begins teaching about himself by starting with the anti-shepherd, the faux shepherd, the imposter, the fake, the fraudulent shepherd. This is how Jesus begins. And so we can assume that there was some folk spewing lies or walking around uh, telling falsehoods. And so Jesus begins with a rebuke on the lie and then offers the truth, okay? 10.1, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate, the front gate, 
must surely be a thief and a robber. I believe that's a word for somebody. Sister, brother, friend, young person, if they can't enter through the front door, if they can't announce themselves, if they can't come to you straight, beware. If someone is sneaking in the back, jumping over the gate, jostling the lock, beware. Beware. Notice how Jesus announces that he is speaking the truth. I tell you the truth. Very, very, very truly, I tell you, whatever your translation says, he announces that he's speaking truth, which leads us to believe, again, that there were those leading the sheepfold astray. Okay? And so the chapter begins, and um, not only in verse 1, but verse 7, Jesus announces the truth that he's about to speak. Also notice, drop down to verse 12 or 13, Jesus talks about the hired hand, another metaphor. Who is the hired hand? A hired hand will see, uh, will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He is not their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. A thief and a robber. Satan is our all-time enemy and comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Someone's reading their Bible, amen. So now let's turn to our two metaphors. First one, I am the gate. You see it in verse seven and verse nine. Follow along with me in your Bibles. Don't put them away, don't put them away. Verse seven and verse nine. Truly, truly, verse seven, I say to you, I am the door. The Greek can, can mean the door or the gate. I am the door for the sheep. Verse nine, I am the door, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go forth freely and find good pasture. So if Jesus is our gate, who are the sheep? We're the sheep, yes, amen. Simple, we are the sheep. And so those who seek and receive salvation through Jesus Christ are the sheep. And we'll put a pin there, we'll return to the sheep in just a minute. But in these verses, Jesus is the gate, the door to our Father in heaven. The only way to salvation, our pathway to freedom, our true north. So notice verse 9 says that they will come in and go out freely, yes? To good pasture, to gain the freedom of eternal life. A life new in Christ while on earth. We must enter through the gate to achieve this type of life, to, to, to gain this type of life. So our Savior, Jesus Christ, is our entry point, is our gate to salvation and eternal life. Jesus is the gateway to our new life of freedom in him. Jesus says, I am the gate. Someone say it with me, I am the gate. Amen, I am the gate, the door. Second metaphor, I am the good shepherd. You notice it in verse 11 and in verse 14. Again, notice the method that Jesus uses to teach. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. I am the model. I am the standard. I am good with a capital G. I am the good, the one and the only. Doesn't say I'm a good shepherd, one of several, you know, good shepherds. 
I am the good shepherd. So how do we recognize our good shepherd? Some say that's a good question. That's, 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 that's a good question. It's a good question. Notice again verse 11. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So we said Jesus is our Lord and Savior who died on the cross. variety of sheep, right? So the good shepherd shows his valid ID, his nail prints, his scars, right? Shows it to the gatekeeper, and he gains unfettered admission and access. I'm the good shepherd who laid down my life sure for the sheep. And, then when we got right? your mic, there was and so there, from within the community sheepfold, Jesus calls to his own flock. The scars that he bears saving their lives, let them know this is my shepherd. This is my good shepherd. And they gather to him. They gather to him. So then is Jesus not worthy of our trust, of our complete trust? Is Jesus not, not worthy of our complete trust? Can we confidently take the extended hand of Jesus when Jesus says, follow me? Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Is Jesus not worthy of our complete trust? And the third reason, uh, the third way we can identify our good shepherd is that Jesus keeps calling. Jesus keeps calling. Anybody remember being called by their parent or a grandparent or guardian? And they call your name one time. You got one time to respond. <laughs> and, then, and then beware. <laughs> But the good shepherd just keeps calling and keeps calling and keeps calling. Aaliyah, my beloved. Aaliyah, my child. Aaliyah, my daughter. Return to me. Come to me. Follow me. Follow me. So how do we recognize our good shepherd? Sacrifice his life for the sheep. Yeah, I know. Oh. Once we accept Jesus, we become a part of the flock. We join the community of Christ, where Jesus gathers us to him by his steadfast love for us and continues to lead the way forward in our lives. True north, greater freedom in Christ Jesus. Free from a life sin. Free to walk in new. Freedom to start over. Freedom. So, so Jesus, Jesus, the good shepherd, calls out to us in love. Follow me. He draws us into the sheepfold, into the flock, into the covenant community. Follow me. Jesus leads the way into life. Follow me. So for those of us who may feel like we were once on the right path, but then it, it went left. <laughs> we didn't go left. It went left. <laughs> Right? We went left. So for those of us who may feel like we've left the sheepfold, we've fallen away, we've, we've fallen out of community, 
for whatever reason, church hurt, grief and loss, personal pain and crisis, for whatever reason we have fallen away, just know that Jesus is still extending the call to come back into covenant community with the loving cadence, follow me. Do you hear Jesus patiently calling out to you today? Beloved, come back, return, follow me. The grace is Jesus always calls out to us by our name, a personal invitation, not a generic invitation that went to everybody. It got your name on it. A personal invitation inviting us to return to him. This meets us right where we are, no matter how far away, no matter how deep in the cave, no matter how far gone low in the pit, Jesus meets you right there and calls out your name and keeps calling and keeps calling. Thank you, Jesus, and keeps calling until we respond. Thank you, Jesus. Others of us may feel like so much time has passed since we heard the initial invitation that is too late, that our time has expired. We may feel like too much time has passed. I should have said yes to the Lord back then in my 20s, in my teens. I should have said yes to the Lord in my 30s. Beloved, I come by to tell you Jesus' hand is still extended to you on today. The invitation of Jesus is still good. There is no expiration date. The good shepherd seeks us out and he remains the same. Come to me. Return to me. Follow me. Thank you, Sister Connie. You're a blessing. Follow me. During my season of transition, from the East Coast to Colorado, from the East Coast to Colorado, the Spirit of God kept returning me to this scripture. And every transition on this ministry walk has been a struggle. It's been a wrestling. It's been a going back and forth. So coming here, the Spirit of God kept showing me Psalms 18, 19. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He brought me out to a spacious place. And in my mind, I just saw like this open green pasture. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And so beloved, Jesus is trying to lead us into good pasture. It might be unknown, like the seed Richard Wright was talking about planting. But maybe we can respond to the warmth of another son if we would just follow the call of Jesus. So we can look to our good shepherd for direction and for guidance, even with the daily things, dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, dealing with classes in school, young people, dealing with peer pressure, dealing with um, financial burdens, relationship problems, whatever it is, whatever it is, we know that Jesus can offer guidance, 
particularly with, with the people in our inner circles, our friends. You know, our friends can be great influencers on us, yes? Birds of a feather flock together. So we might want to be with a flock that is in Christ, that is rooted in Christ, that is listening for the call of the good shepherd, who will listen for the voice of Jesus in their daily walk. So what does all this mean for us? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What what does this mean? Psalm 103, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 97, 5, we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. I love that, under. Reminds me of being under the wings, right, of God. Shelter and solitude. We are the flock under his care. Family, we are the sheepfold. We are his sheep and nobody else's. Nobody else's. Simple, I know, but it may be helpful to visit this age-old metaphor, God as shepherd and we, God's people, as sheep. And so right now, I want to turn and I want to focus on the attributes of true sheep. We've been learning about the attributes of God as the gate and good shepherd. But what about the attributes of true sheep? What should be my mental and my heart posture as a true sheep? Not, Not a fraudulent sheep, but a true sheep. What does it mean to be like sheep? So let's revisit this and explore anew what it means for us as believers to be true sheep in Jesus Christ. So admittedly, I'm not, I'm not an expert on sheep. Okay? I'm not an expert on sheep. Okay? Uh, but I am aware that Abel kept sheep, book of Genesis, and that sheep were counted among the most treasured possessions of the Jewish people in antiquity, in ancient times. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and yes, even Job counted their wealth in sheep. Moses, Rachel, Rachel, and David were all shepherds of sheep who understood that both water and green pasture were essential to their livelihood. That struck me. So I thought, you know, I thought back to Psalms 23. So being led into green pasture, the open space, the spacious place, and by still waters, had more more meaning than just rest and refreshment, okay? So God leading me into green pastures and besides still waters also have to do with my very life, sustaining life and sustaining livelihood. And so we should follow our shepherd who is the resurrection and the life, because our lives are indeed at stake. And so sheep may look different than one another on the outside, yes. Some have solid colored coats, some have spotted or speckled coats, right? But there's room for all in the kingdom of God. We embrace diversity within our body of Christ today. But I don't wanna talk about, you know, water and pastures, or or how do sheep look? I want to center on the inward life of the sheep, the attributes of true sheep, yes? 
And so five attributes I will offer, and then I will take my seat. We're going we're gonna to examine verse 3 in detail. We're going to go deep uh, in, in our exploration of verse 3 of chapter 10. So just have that handy. Matter of fact, I'll read it real quick. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Chapter 10, verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So our very first attribute of true sheep is that they are called by name. They are called by name by the good shepherd. They are in known, deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. The the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is so strong, so strong that the shepherd can call them by name from a crowd. I imagine that the shepherd didn't even have to shout, didn't even have to raise the voice. The sheep sense the presence of the shepherd and hear their name called by their shepherd's voice. Jesus, our good shepherd, has access to us. The gates to our hearts are opened for him, to him. And Jesus has knowledge about each and every one of us. Someone say all the things, all the things. Jesus knows all the things and still seeks intimate relationship with us. Jesus calls out to us by our names and into the depth of our hearts. Attribute number one, true sheep are called by their name. Number two, true sheep listen. Verse three says the sheep recognize his voice. True sheep listen. Now, the Spirit of God was like, told me in my preparation, don't rush over this, Aaliyah. Just sit here for a minute. This, this is for me when I was preparing, because this, this, this is for you, Aaliyah. True sheep, listen. <laughs> Aaliyah, true sheep, listen. <laughs> sheep know and recognize the voice of their shepherd. Yes, but sheep have a reigning ear. That phrase came back to me. I was reading a a Joyce Meyer devotional, and she had this phrase, a reigning ear, and it just struck me, a reigning ear. She was talking about how the rider of a horse can sit on the horse and and the horse not be, uh, what's it called, bridled or a rein on it, but that the horse can just turn one ear back and listen for the direction. And I thought about this with sheep. I was like, oh, wow. I don't know much about sheep, but I've never seen a sheep on a leash right? I mean, in pictures, I've never seen a sheep on a leash. I've never seen a shepherd herding a sheep holding on to a hundred leashes. It says, so, so, so sheep listen for the voice of their shepherd. And I think I have a slide with listen, listen and silent. The spirit of God invited me to sit with this and listen and silent employ the exact same letters, the same letters are in the word listen as in the word silent. And so friends, in order to listen well, sometimes we have to be silent. We got to get still. We've got to get away and get with God. Sit with Jesus and just be silent. Still our train of thought and just be Silent. 
So listening and silent are two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin. Someone say, I need to see God in silence. In silence. In silence. And so what does it mean to listen to the voice of Jesus? It means several things. Meditating on scripture. Don't rush through it. Just like I could have rushed through verse three. Don't rush through it. Let it wash over you like waves to the shore. The waves just keep coming to the shore. Let the passage, let the verse wash over you. Let the metaphor wash over you. Don't rush. Meditate on scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text for you now, today. Praying for God's guidance, sitting in silence to see the direction that comes to your heart. Hold that truth up. Does it align with what I've read in my Bible? Ask the Holy Spirit, who Jesus commends from the cross, to help you pray. And then sit in silence and listen, listen. True sheep are called by their name. True sheep listen. Number three, true sheep are obedient to the call of their shepherd. It says in verse three, and they come to him. They come to him. Now, not everybody, you know, not everybody is comfortable with the word obedient. But true sheep follow the call. They respond to the call. They obey the call of their good shepherd who is trying to lead them into good pasture, to lead them along freedom shore, right? They just trust. Why do they trust? They see the scars. The good shepherd has sacrificed for them. How can I not trust him? They simply get up and follow the call of their good shepherd. They arise and go when their name is called. The true shepherd says, follow me. So sheep, true sheep, don't, don't ask why. No, Lord, how long? Can I just stay where I am a little bit longer? Can we do this a little bit later, Lord? I had some other things that I had on my three to five year plan. True sheep don't overanalyze. They don't debate or delay. Mm. They don't make a lot of lists. I've never seen a sheep just whip out a notepad or their phone and start making lists. They don't make lists when they hear the voice of their shepherd. When they hear their name called, they arise and they go. I have a lot to work on. Someone say, I have a lot to work on. I have a lot to work on. So true sheep are called by their name. True sheep, true sheep listen. True sheep obey. Number four, true sheep are led by the good shepherd. Verse three, he leads them out. So obeying, coming to him, saying yes to the call is distinct from actually willing to be led day by day, step by step along the path. Because we could say yes to a call and then get out here to the roadmaps ourselves and start trailblazing paths that God didn't even want us to walk along, right? And so true sheep are willing to be led along the journey, which is often long, 
They remain proximate to God. They remain close enough to their shepherd so that they can hear the voice daily, right? We talked about their deep relationship with the shepherd. They're aware of the presence, right? When the shepherd is on the move, the sheep are also on the move. They don't force their way. Yet, there might be one or two of us, well, that have a tendency to go astray. My mom told me when I was young, I had a tendency to wander off. So I'm going to say, children, show us who they are. <laughs> I, had a, I had a tendency to wander off. But your Bible says that the good shepherd will leave the 99 to go after the one who strayed. The good shepherd will leave the flock to go recoup and retrieve and bring back the one who strayed. I had to ask myself, have I ever been the one? Have you ever been the one? Mm. Thanks be to God for the grace and patient love, redeeming love of God. <laughs> Isaiah 53, 6, we had all gone astray, each taking her own way. We had all gone astray, each taking their own way. So recently I saw a, a video on Instagram and I was like, oh, wow, this, this is like, this, this, is, this, this is rich. So I saw a video on Instagram and the video showed, um, short video, maybe two minutes. Um, it had a man in a deep ditch. I mean, the ditch was deep. It was like up to the man's shoulders. And it was a muddy ditch. I mean, just no one wants to be in there. And the man was trying to rescue what appeared to me was a sheep. But you know, I'm not an expert, but it looked to me like it was a sheep. And so the man was in this muddy, deep ditch. And he was trying to rescue this sheep who had fallen off the green pasture into the ditch. And so the man was trying to pick the sheep up from, from underneath the sheep. And then the man had to reposition the sheep to, to hoist it over and up onto the pasture, over the man's head. And it was a difficult task because the sheep was not cooperating. The sheep was kicking its legs and wiggling around. It wasn't cooperating with the man who was trying to help it. And so when the man finally got the sheep up onto the green pasture, the sheep immediately started running around frantically in a circle, just blindly, frantically running around. And don't you know, the sheep made a full circle and ended up right back in the same deep, muddy ditch. The caption read, actual footage of Jesus rescuing me from my horrible decisions. <laughs> and right there, I had to pause and thank God that Jesus can rescue me from a deep, muddy ditch and I can end up right back. Someone say right back. Right back, seconds later. Actual footage of Jesus rescuing me from my horrible decisions. So if you're like me, you're painfully aware that this can be your reality. We can run ourselves in circles, listening for other various voices, and we can fall back headfirst into another deep ditch. Fifth and last, fifth and last, 
true sheep are protected. Protected. Verse three, the gatekeeper opens. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. You met, you, maybe you missed it. The gatekeeper opens the door for him. So there is a gatekeeper. There is a watch person. There is a doorkeeper who lets in our good shepherd. That sounds like double protection for me. We got the good shepherd, but then we also got a gatekeeper. We got the good shepherd and then we got a gatekeeper. Double for your trouble. But someone should be asking, who's the gatekeeper? Who is the gatekeeper? Numbers 27, 16 through 17. I had to do a little Bible study. Who is the gatekeeper? Let the Lord appoint someone over the congregation who shall go out before them and shall come in before them and who shall lead them out and bring them in. The gatekeeper of the congregation. Hmm. First Chronicles 9, 26. The chief gatekeepers were the Levites who were in an office of trust, an office of trust. Same book in chapter verse 21, Zechariah was a gatekeeper at the entrance of the tent of meeting, a prophet and a prudent counselor. The book of Matthew says, behold, I send you prophets and sages, wise people and teachers, right? And so here the gatekeeper to me sounds like the angel of the house, The angel of the church, as the book of Revelation says, the gatekeeper, she who stands and guards from attack on the flock, she who intercedes for the flock, she who opens the gate of our hearts and minds to usher in Jesus. And so RCF, we have been blessed by a gatekeeper. Our own pastor, Pastor Katani, who intercedes for us, who goes before God on our behalf, who leads us forward. We are blessed with such a gatekeeper and we are grateful for her. So in closing, true sheep are called by their name. True sheep listen. True sheep obey. True sheep are led, willing to be led, and true sheep are duly protected. But as I close, one more thing. True sheep, move in community, in unity. They understand what togetherness means. A flock that is keeping their eyes on the shepherd, one shepherd, one voice, one flock. So the question I leave you with is, am I a true sheep of the good shepherd? Amen.